0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson and as always, thanks for joining us. Remember, on Monday at 6:30 p.m. at Source Booksellers in Midtown Detroit, we're going to kick off our first ever book club and discussion group. We're going to use Matthew Desmond's book, Evicted, to talk about housing insecurity issues here in Southeast Michigan. That book is about evictions and the way that they drive poverty in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We want to talk about evictions, foreclosures, squatting, all of the things that we uh, hear about quite frequently here in Southeast Michigan that affect the way we live. So you can come out and purchase books uh, that day, uh, Monday, at uh, Source Booksellers. I will be there along with the Detroit Today team, and we'll have uh, a chat about uh, housing insecurity and those issues, then maybe talk about some of the things that we want to talk about uh, this summer. We will also, over the summer, have lots of on-air interviews, digital interviews, lots of community events where we will bring people together to discuss those issues. So again, Monday, 6.30 p.m., Source Booksellers in Midtown Detroit. Up first today, the Great Lakes are the heart of Michigan. They pump lifeblood through our inland lakes, our rivers, and our streams. The lakes supply much of our drinking water and much of what we value about this state for business and recreation. Of course, we've also heard a lot in recent years about the challenges that the lakes face. Lake levels are biocontamination, zebra mussels, pollution, a massive and aging oil pipeline that runs beneath the Straits of Mackinac. So if the lakes are in trouble, how does that tie into our overall health? Many physicians and biologists subscribe to an idea called One Health that suggests the increasing importance of evaluating human health in connection with the health of our environment. In Michigan, that's a particularly interesting idea, as we call ourselves the Great Lake State, a people defined by and inextricably linked to the massive bodies of water that surround us. That's where we want to begin the conversation today, talking about the Great Lakes and their connection to us as a people and our health as Michiganders. And joining me to frame up that discussion is Carol Miller. She's a professor of civil and environmental engineering and director of the Healthy Urban Waters at Wayne State University. Carol, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm.
0: Also with us is Liz Kirkwood. She's the executive director of FLOW, which stands for For Love of Water. It is a Great Lakes advocacy and public policy organization. Liz, welcome back to Detroit Today.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
0: Mm -hmm. So I want to start the conversation here. It's really easy for us to talk about sort of one-off issues with regard to the Great Lakes. We talk about Line 5 and argue about whether it should be closed or uh, if there's there's another solution, we talk about Asian carp or algae blooms that show up uh, in the the lakes uh, sometimes. Uh, But I feel like we want to maybe take a more holistic view of the lakes themselves. And then, of course, uh, the way that those... Lakes and their health relates to us and our health. Uh, Carol, uh, I'll start with you. What is the sort of macro view of our great lakes right now?
1: I think the the macro view is that the the health is is threatened, but currently, the health of the Great Lakes is is very good. And uh, I think the concern is more protection of the health of the Great Lakes and coming up with um, methods that can be used to perhaps forewarn about dangers coming, not in the, the near future necessarily, but in the more distant future because caring for the lakes requires, uh, requires that prediction and, um, safeguarding uh, against threats needs to occur very early and we don't mean by that knowing you know weeks in advance but knowing years in advance and decades in advance of what's coming down the road uh-huh. but i think in general that the health is very good there are spots that are uh in 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 uh, dire concern but overall i think that the health of the great lakes is very good and continues to be a major resource for uh, citizens of this state as well as uh, really internationally. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Liz Kirkwood uh, of Flo, talk about how the sort of macro view of the lakes and their health sort of ties in with the the health of the people here in the state of Michigan.
2: Well, I I think they are absolutely intricately uh, connected because, you know, the health of of uh our waters is you know fundamental to to all life um and there are uh you know th- this is an extraordinary um region because of its um, i mean it, just the sheer number of of uh containing 20% of the world's fresh surface water um is is something you know that i don't think our minds can even wrap around um Around, but you know, it also imposes this incredible stewardship uh, responsibility on uh, all of the forty million people who live here in the eight Great Lakes states and two Canadian provinces. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, you know, it, it, it's it's no surprise that the agencies that are responsible for uh, protection of the environment and natural resources have a, a dual uh, mandate that their duty is to both protect human health and the environment. And that's a recognition of, of uh, that duality. Yeah. Um,
1: I think it is, um, I, I agree uh, 100% with Liz, and I do think um, uh, it is also important to note that the, the view of One Health, especially as espoused by CDC, Center for Disease Control, as mm-hmm. well as how we sort of um define that term at wayne state university in our healthy urban waters program it it encompasses encompasses human health as well as environmental health but then also the third component of animal health Mm -hmm. so a lot of times people include animal and aquatic organisms within the term environmental but generally the cdc is looking at a three-tiered uh approach there in in terms of humans animals and the environment and i do think um I, I do think that that approach or that umbrella is, is extremely helpful in terms of bringing home the importance of uh, stewardship of our, our waters as, as Liz was mentioning.
0: Can you talk a little more about uh, this One Health philosophy where it sort of emanates from and, and what that actually means in some sort of practical terms?
1: Sure, if I can go ahead and start there, Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think that uh, I I could speak about this forever, but we're we're, (laughs) I I, I'm quite um, dedicated to this concept of one health. But Uh what I would what it would say is that um, it it really um, provides a very large frame for the issue of environmental health in the context of water, in the sense that it it. Uh, requires us to, to understand that really all disciplines and all learning is very important in solving issues associated with water and the environment, and that in the past we were often very uh, segmented in our approach to mm-hmm. water. In other words, uh, engineers would look at infrastructure problems, biologists would look at maybe the ecological health uh... the medical profession would look at what's going on with people but we live in this this region in a very interconnected way and to better understand uh... outcomes associated with issues in our water systems we, we really need to to look at all of this uh, in a in a much more holistic way so mm-hmm. that impacts the way that we train our students also if we want to train leaders for the next generation we can't be focusing on a single um, segment there, but we need to make sure that that the students uh, uh, are very well trained in a more um, broad sort of uh, approach to this.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what are some of the, the the biggest threats that that when you sit and think about uh, the Great Lakes, and uh, you both? Sort of reflected the idea that the lakes are in pretty good shape right now, but that they face some dangers. Uh, as I as I said in the open, uh, we we talk about some of those dangers uh, pretty frequently right now. But but if you had to put together a top three uh, list of threats to the lakes, what what would they look like, Liz Kirkwood? I'll start with you. Wow, it's
2: always hard to do these top uh, <laughs> three, at least it's not like the David Letterman show was the top 10, <laughs>
0: right? but maybe,
2: you know, maybe you'll make me do that next time. Um, you know, I, well, one thing I, I, I do want to say is that, you know, I, I think actually the health of the Great Lakes is really in, um, you know, rests in the balance right now. And I think we have, um, uh, and we have a, a this is the window of time where we really need to engage at the level that, that uh, Professor Miller was discussing. Where it's vital for us to understand that uh, we are. This is a, a, an incredible system, and we can no longer be siloed into um, environment or health because it is all one. Um, you know, um, some of the greatest threats. I think that loom before us, uh, will be no surprise, um, uh, the threats to our drinking water. And we are seeing that um, at, um, you know, in addition, of course, to uh, the tragedy in Flint, um, you know, uh, and, and then, of course, Detroit shutoffs, mm-hmm. we have these aging, crumbling infrastructure that needs serious attending. Uh, it's, a, you know, um, a 900 million uh, annual shortfall. And these problems that we're seeing do not only exist in urban areas, but they are in suburban and rural areas. Um, Michigan is um, the only state without a unified septic code. Uh, And that is very significant uh, because Michigan has, more than a million private drinking water wells um, uh-huh. that are not routinely tested for safety. Um, e. coli then, of course, goes, you know, it, you know uh, degrades the water quality. We have beach closures, all, um, you know, the, the domino effect there. Right. Um, and also one-fifth of the well samples that are submitted to the state have detectable levels of nitrate, and that Threatens, you know, the health of of children. Mm -hmm. Um, So drinking water, huge, huge, huge issue. Yes. Um, uh, uh, And and related to that are these algal blooms, which is, uh, um, you know, if if you look back at the history of Lake Erie in the fifties, nineteen fifties, there were uh, algal blooms that were primarily caused uh, from what we call point source pollution from urban centers where pipes were literally discharging uh, directly into Lake Erie. Now we're witnessing, um, and, and then, um, uh, you know, we passed the Clean Water Act in 1972. That took charge and regulated those uh, point sources of pollution with um, uh, uh, NPDES permits, mm-hmm. um, we never really tackled the, what we call the, the non-point source pollution uh, runoff from urban and also agricultural landscapes. Um, changing land uses and um, uh, uh, very potent fertilizers, this uh, dissolved reactive phosphorus, have uh, contributed to uh, extraordinary uh, algal blooms in Lake Erie we know that in 2014, uh, the city of Toledo had um, uh, three days of emergency water shutoffs because their their uh, water system was polluted from the, the uh, uh, toxic algal blooms. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, so th- this is very, very significant. The uh, Environmental Working Group just did a, a study and... Um, they you know uh since 2010 uh there have been at least 300 blooms in lakes rivers and bays in 48 states um and and that that's up from um you know three i mean right. it's 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 uh, very significant um what other things we have oil pipelines located mm-hmm. in uh our our waters um uh Invasive species, and the list goes on. Mm-hmm. But let's let's have Professor Miller. Yeah. jump Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. What would you What would you put on that? Well, list
1: Liz her? did a great job. I I uh, agree uh, wholeheartedly with with what she has said. I would, you know, I certainly had um, infrastructure as as my number one. Not only because I'm an engineer, and I'm sure that plays part of the the role in in why I say that. It's probably what I. Um, Work with on a daily basis much more than anything else, mm-hmm. and I observe the the problems associated with the infrastructure. I mean, you can you can list a whole range of of other problems that really flow from the the issue of uh, legacy infrastructure, including costs associated with um, supplying water to the population you know, as the infrastructure ages. It becomes much less efficient. The cost to provide water goes up. That affects things like water shutoffs. Um, The age of the infrastructure also impacts things like flooding. And we've, in Southeastern Michigan has had some terrible problems with home floodings, floodings that uh, occur on a regular basis, repeated homes that have to experience this. And then there are the health issues associated with repeated floodings. and so, so I guess I'm I'm making the point that that I think the the aging infrastructure and the um, uh, in, in some cases poorly designed infrastructure mm-hmm. uh, is is one of the bigger issues around here. And of course, that also infects affects uh, combined sewer overflows since we do have a combined sewer system here in southeastern Michigan and. Just, and that then exacerbates the problem of beach closings as well as the algal blooms that Liz was talking about. So infrastructure is, is, is an important aspect, no question about it. I guess one other item that I would add that I don't think Liz mentioned was um, uh, legacy contamination in the region. So mm-hmm. in other words, if we were even to to uh, clean up and to take care of all the issues that 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 currently exist in the region, there still is sort of this um, unseen legacy uh, of contamination that exists in the sediments of the Great Lakes mm-hmm. and the con- connecting channels and so on. And that is a, a huge issue that um, yeah, will continue to to uh, impact our water uh, quite f- for some time.
0: Yeah, uh, you, you said that uh, our infrastructure is somewhat poorly designed. Uh, can you can you expand on uh, that? Uh, certainly, a little?
1: In, certainly in regions, it it is poorly designed. Uh-huh. Uh, Liz mentioned uh, in more in the rural areas the issues about septic systems and how the discharges from septic systems can Im- uh, severely our water resources, but also uh, the concerns about um, uh, systems that were designed for uh, what we expected in this region uh, 50 or 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so the design really doesn't accommodate what the current population uh, demographics are uh, Uh, look like and what we expect that they will look like in the next 50 years Mm -hmm. so really that's what I meant uh, regarding design not that it wasn't appropriate uh, here in southeastern Michigan uh, for uh, conditions 30 or 50 years ago but certainly may not be appropriate for conditions today and what we may expect in terms of the design of the city going
0: forward yeah Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Carol Miller. She's a professor of civil and environmental engineering and director of the Healthy Urban Waters program at Wayne State University. Uh, Also with us is Liz Kirkwood, executive director of FLOW, which stands for For Love of Water. That's a Great Lakes advocacy and public policy organization. We're talking about the health of the Great Lakes and how that relates to the health of the people here in the state of Michigan. Michigan. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Do you spend much time on the Great Lakes? Do you think about the health of our water systems? And have you been affected by water issues at the tap or with the bodies of water that surround us? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Carol in Royal Oak. Carol, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Hi. I'm glad you're talking about this. Uh, I'm glad you're talking about infrastructure. I know how old it is, Uh, and I'd like to understand a separate sewage system better, and that is a a clean sewer and a contaminated sewer.
0: Um, I'm not yeah. I'm not sure I know uh, what that what that looks like. Uh, Carol or Liz, can you can you help Carol out here?
1: Well, um, I can start. I believe what perhaps what your question is getting at is the fact that we always talk about the the system here in southeastern Michigan being a com, combined a system. Combined system. Okay. Right. So so that so what that really means is that the uh, the storm. Water and the sanitary discharge um, will end up in the same pipe, and when that there is very heavy storm water, uh, so after after heavy rainfalls, mm-hmm. the wastewater treatment plant may be at capacity or over capacity. So some of that water uh, will either have to be stored in retention or detention ponds. Or, in the worst case, would have to be um, uh, delivered to the receiving water directly without full treatment. On the other hand, if you had a separated system, separated storm and sanitary, um, the storm water, which may receive less treatment and may be less harmful in terms of pathogens and concentration of pathogens and so on would be in a separate system one would not be um, uh, causing over overflows at the wastewater treatment plant hmm. the sanitary sewage would go to the wastewater treatment plant
0: yeah uh, h- how uh, how big an undertaking would that be to, that would be uh, a huge un- I was that would say, actually it be a very, very that
1: would be a very huge <laughs> undertaking and one You know, there are alternative approaches that are much less uh, uh, expensive Mm -hmm. and much less um, disruptive, let's say, to the existing infrastructure. One that's being used a lot in the southeastern Michigan region, as well as throughout the country, is called uh, Green green Stormwater Infrastructure, or GSI, Mm -hmm. which is an approach that's usually applied on a local basis, that is, in a neighborhood or at particular homes, to try to promote uh, greater um, seepage of stormwater into the soil so that it doesn't uh, overfill the combined sewer system so that during a storm, you actually can modify Mm -hmm. or or, or, uh, moderate the um, storm runoff into the pipes. And GSI is is a real great alternative for that, in in which case you can cut down on the combined sewer overflows.
0: Okay. uh, Carol in Royal Oak, thanks very much for the call uh, and the questions. Uh, Let's go to Jim in Pontiac. Jim, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Um,
2: I I came in a little late on the show, but I really pretty much agree with your guests. I've spoken to a couple of them in the past. I mean, at least one of them in the past. we, uh, in Oakland County, we're really starting to push towards green infrastructure to limit the amount of water that gets into these systems. Um, mm-hmm. If we don't work it that way, we're talking about massive costs of, of uh, you know, the, the old gray infrastructure to do that. Mm-hmm. So communities in southeast Michigan, in our, in our mixed area, in our, uh, you know, combined system areas, are really heading in that direction now, and and starting to invest in that. And to me, that's the really going to be the long term answer to this.
0: Hmm. Uh, this is Jim Nash, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, who is the Water Resources Commissioner out in uh, Oakland County? I thought I recognized your voice. <laughs> but I'm glad you call. I'm glad you're listening, and I'm glad you called. in. I think that's a, a really important uh, perspective.
1: Yeah, Jim. Jim, I would say that I agree with you. Uh, I I think that where the question still uh, is out there, and, and we really haven't answered yet. Is how well green infrastructure can uh, help alleviate the really heavy and intense storms. In other words, it it I think it, it I think there's good consensus that uh, green infrastructure can be a great asset in terms of um, uh, lower uh, recurrence interval. You know, low. Two-year storms or mm-hmm. five-year storms, but when you get up to ten, hundred years or a hundred-year storms, um, I think that's something we still need to look at more closely. Yeah. But it certainly can can uh, help again uh, moderate the the uh, storm
0: flows. Yeah, yeah. Um, have, go I ahead, just, Liz. Go ahead.
2: My, I just might add is that um, you know in this transition period as uh, we witness uh, climate change events with increased uh, precipitation and mm-hmm. um, I, I, there there is a, I think a real dire need for um, not not only these large urban communities but smaller rural um, communities throughout Michigan to understand the economics because um, you know engineers um, have been trained to put in storm pipes and you um, but, you know, it's it's wonderful. You know, we, we're seeing a shift in academia where there's, um, you know, the solutions are being diversified. And I think that's what it's going to take to solve these very complex problems because there is no sil- silver bullet, as mm-hmm. we know, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that's what Professor Miller also was was pointing. I agree,
1: to. and I think it's also yeah. important to point out that in many respects, uh, our local uh, sewage district, DWSD, is being really quite progressive in this um, sense that uh, they are putting a lot of energy uh, towards green stormwater infrastructure, and you know, there's been so much work in terms of developing. Uh, drainage fee credits associated with the application of uh, green stormwater infrastructure on your property. And I think uh, I think Detroit may become, or if they are not already, will be, be seen as a real leader in this area.
0: Yeah. Okay. Carol Miller, professor of civil and environmental engineering and director of the Healthy Urban Waters Program at Wayne State University. Thanks very much for joining us on Detroit Today. Thank you. Also great to have you back, Liz Kirkwood, Executive Director of Flow. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Up next, have you heard of PFAS? It is a set of chemicals found in our drinking water that you are going to want to know about it. We're going to talk about it next. And don't forget, if you miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.